10 minutes past 10 and it's pouring down with rain, but Steve's got a driver, so that was OK. <laughs> several, several, my dear fellow. Actually, actually, he, he hasn't. And I, this is sort of what we want to talk about today. I mean, everything's taken so literally, isn't it, at the moment? You cannot jape. No, you can't. Well, I, I, I suppose, um, says he, um, bringing the bringing the um, the ribaldry down. I think. I suppose it's because the situation is very serious. Grave, grave. Yes, and that's not something you put people in. But um, honestly, I do think the situation is serious. But on the other hand, you 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 sometimes wonder. I mean, there's this business going on with Bishop Kwong. Will no one rid me of this turbulent <laughs> priest? <laughs> yes. Now, Hong, Bishop, Hong Kong's Bishop, very own Paul Wicker, tall vicar. Bishop Kwong. Who, uh, I happen to know slightly, is actually quite a jolly fellow. And he, 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 he made a sermon, and I think everybody knows about this. He made a sermon okay. um, the, the other day, um, which was recorded because... Um, um, everybody know, had their phones on record. Everybody <laughs> had their phones on record, and uh, people in Urumuchi needed to hear his words. But um, in the sermon, he, he, he talked about... Um, Occupy Central. Mind you, everybody is talking about Occupy well, Central. Absolutely. I mean, but one of the things he said was, you know, um, perhaps they should be meek and accept things like Jesus. Now, mm, that's interesting. I mean, may I say, I am no Christian. So if there's anybody who's good at this stuff, um, <laughs> good at God and stuff, God and stuff, possibly Christianity, I am sure they will know more this about this than man. I do. Yeah. It is. Well, we're talking about the fishman, are we not? I mean, you know, as I understand it, and I'm going to have to be very careful. Oh, I'm just go for it. We know that you don't know what you're on about. Yeah, well, that's never stopped me before. <laughs> no, I don't like that, so we're in good company. <laughs> no, no, but the thing is, I mean, isn't the whole point about Jesus, as I get it, is that he was a revolutionary. I mean, he came into this society all the way from Nazareth, that remote little village up, some of this up in the north, <laughs> and um, said, you know, you're praying to a false god. This is to the Jews. It was a Jewish society. He said, you're praying to a false god. By the way, I'm the son of God, in case he was wondering. Just in case you wanted to know. <laughs> and, um, you know, all of your all of your beliefs have to be up, up, up hell, uh, sorry, up, overturned. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to start a new society and a new faith. And, you know, was was he silent and passive? Or didn't he go into the temple and throw out the moneylenders? That seemed to me a rather um, aggressive action. But was it justified? Well, you may say it was justified. Yeah. Are people marching through the streets of Hong Kong justified? Not turning over tables like Jesus did in the temple, but, you know, walking through the streets. Is that justified? So, I don't know. I mean, up there with theology meets Occupy Central meets... It's a tough call, this meets, one. <laughs> whatever. It is a tough call. But there is, you know, there is now. There is something going on. And people are getting a bit bit leery about it. You've got the bishop weighing in. Well, also the thing about the kids, why didn't they bring their armour to the city? <laughs> Hello. I, I think that might have been I a joke. So. I, mean, I think that might have been a joke. That's the sort of thing that we would say yes. and go, ha, 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 but yeah. he, he gets slapped for it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, as I say, I, I do slightly know him and I know that he does have a sense of humour. And uh, so we, we, we'll, we'll assume that was a joke. Incidentally, did some people come without their armors? I, I don't know. I'm just, How could I'm they? Just, I'm just Honestly. completely out of the loop on this. But anyway, let's 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 um, pass over that, as uh, the Jews say, okay. around about the same time as Easter. Bit of religion, um, they're good. But, 
But, you know, it's happening all over. You've got HSBC issuing a report saying, ooh, blimey, the economy's going to go down if Occupy Central happens. That's followed within 24 hours by a report saying, oh, well, it might be other things like, you know, falling demand. So somebody blah, got blah, a slap blah, on the wrist. Blah, blah, blah. And then you've got this wonderful man who, who, who addresses all his employees as children. They must have loved that. And saying, children, you must not join Occupy Central very, very bad. I suggest you join the silent majority. You know that silent majority, which is kind of noisy. <laughs> it's World Silence Day today, World by the way. Silence Day. It well, is. It is. Well, you can shut up okay. for a start. I'll be over here if anybody needs me. If anybody needs you. And, and then you've got, I mean, you know, then you've got, it, it's really extraordinary. Then you've got um, big international companies like Barclays weighing in. Um, like the big four accountancy firms, these are people who spend their entire lives in other jurisdictions just keeping out of politics because it's just not a good idea. So you had Occupy, you had Occupy Wall Street, you had Occupy the City of London. Mm -hmm. The big four operate much more massively in those two centres than they do in Hong Kong. Did they issue statements saying this would be the end of civilization as we know it? No, they didn't. But when it comes to Hong Kong, Obviously, the political pressure is now on. Yeah. It's no good that you just passively support the government. And goodness me, there's few enough people who do that. But it's, it's the pressure, presumably, from, um, I don't know who, but I assume they're mainland-backed companies who are saying, look, if you want our business, we need to hear from you on the political front as well. And this is very, very leery. As, as far as the accountancy company is concerned, I do believe that there was a, a, another statement released by employees saying, no, 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 we you didn't say you, that. You didn't speak on behalf we didn't of say us. That. Yes, yeah. there was indeed. So, I mean, not only are these... You, you know, when you play with fire, when you want to get involved with politics, just, just accept that, you know, you're getting your hands dirty and you'll have to, you know, you'll have to muck in with everybody else. Mm. So if the big four want to get involved in local politics. If Barclays Bank, based in London, wants to get involved in politics in Hong Kong, if HSBC, based in London, wants to get involved in politics in Hong Kong, goodness me, isn't that foreign intervention in our internal affairs, which I was told is absolutely strictly verboten, and I can use that word because Germany's going to win, win the World Cup, isn't it? Probably. I just bring that in because I don't know anything about football either. All right, let's not talk about that. Just a reminder, yes. Dan, Danny's got the World Cup update just after the news, so you can sit tight for a minute and we, and can, listen, learn, yeah. we can learn about football. The interesting thing to me over the past few days is Emily has started dangling Occupy Central quite a lot more than she had before. Well, this is very interesting. You're talking about Emily Lau, who's the... the no, the... Emily Mole husband. <laughs> <laughs> of course I am. <laughs> I'm just being didactic, Go whatever that means. Um... You know, the leader of the Democratic Party, which got itself into an enormous pickle. Because if you remember when the last round of constitutional reforms uh, took place, it was the Democratic Party, then the largest Democratic Party in the legislature. It's been mm -hmm. overtaken by the Civic Party since then. Were the people who were responsible for this deal that made the legislation go through, which vaguely extended the um, membership of the election committee. Now the Demo and, and they, they lost. I mean, they lost very heavily, uh, having been involved in that compromise. I think the Democratic Party has now concluded that setting out its stall as the cut party of compromise 
just isn't going to, just isn't going to do it. So they now want to be seen as leading, or at least at, in the front ranks of those taking a more aggressive stance towards the uh, constitutional reform campaign. I, I, I kind of feel they're all over the place. You know, you, 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 you know, they're, they're a bit like one of those swingometers that keeps going boing, boing. Yeah, well, just before I forget, sidebar, back on the banks, the news this morning, uh, CCTV apparently exposing Bank of China without government support. This, you know, I think probably they're reporting it and there's a big crackdown coming on the banks. Just my thinking. I, th- this is news to me that there's corruption in on the mainland. Never like it's fine. Tell, <laughs> yeah. tell them that there's a crack. You know, hint, hint it. Let it out. Well, Just, I mean, the the what what, what 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 this report is about is really amusing. I shouldn't be amused. I should say oh, very, very bad. So let me just say I'm very, very, very bad. Is is about Bank of China helping its clients, telling its clients how to launder money and get it out of the country. Well, if you're going to do it, do it properly. <laughs> so apparently, they, they these um, reporters went in posing as people with a lot of hot money, and the bloke behind the desk said, "Oh, hot money." Oh, you've come to the right place, son. We can help you. This is China's biggest bank. I mean. Does it sound like that's really what happened, though? Or oh, does, I, it, I, does it sound I, I, like I find it's totally, the other way around? I think it's totally <laughs> believable. But the problem, as I think many people now are realising about this crackdown on corruption, is it's not. It, it's a selective crackdown on corruption. The targets seem to be those that are not fully 100% standing behind President Xi Jinping. It does well. So, then. you know, if you're... If you're associated with the, the former leadership, if you've got ties to other people who might represent an independent power state, power centre in the Chinese state, you may find the anti-corruption boys on your on your front door saying, "Hello, hello, hello, what are you what are you lads up to?" Here's one for you. If it really was, I mean, we don't know that it's we don't know that it's not necessarily an organised clampdown on corruption. Mm. If it really was across the board on absolutely everybody, this could bring them right down, couldn't it? This could be a house of cards. Well, I don't know. I mean, yes and no. Uh, you you know you know the the um, famous story about um, Stalin's um, head of the uh, Secret Service, Bira, who was Bira. Who, who was notorious as, as a thug and a henchman for Stalin, what he used to do was compile a dossier on absolutely everybody in the leadership of the party and let them know. It was a way of controlling people. Oh, you know, yeah, OK, that, so that makes he, sense. So he, he would sort of sit there with a file ostentatiously on the desk... Drumming his fingers on it. ..and <laughs> say, Comrade, Comrade Stalin has asked you to do this... There are some things in this file that I've got my hand on that you might not like pursued. Do, do you agree with Comrade Stalin's orders? Oh, yes. Absolutely. Yes, yes so absolutely. I, think, I think this is the way that dictatorships work. Because everybody's dirty, everybody's got secrets. And in China at the moment, the level of corruption, the level at, of cronyism, the level at which these very big political players have suddenly got enormously rich. I mean, they pass it through to their children and the children take it abroad. We know all about that. Yep. Means that... Allegedly. In the books... Uh, or allegedly, sorry, I forgot to mention that. In the books that are on the desk of whoever runs the secret police are very, very big files indeed. You bet your 
you bet they yeah. are. <laughs> you were trying to say bottom dollar, I think. You bet your bottom dollar, <laughs> Chaffee. I'll tell you something interesting this morning. I caught the end of, um, I caught the end of Dave O'Rear talking to Brian, and Brian was saying, what about um, Hong Kong becoming, you know, mainlandized, etc.? And Dave O'Rear, who's the economist at the Hong Kong Chamber, he said, actually, I think it could be the other way around. China is becoming more like Hong Kong. Now, whether you agree or not, my thinking here is, you obviously don't, my thinking here is, you know, well, could, could it be that... Hong Kong actually well, is the boy with the that, finger. Well, you say that, but that's the old story. I mean, oh, I don't mean God, necessarily no, what no, Dave no, was no, saying. No, but. no, but what he's saying is the old boring story, uh, uh, which is completely unsupported by the evidence. I mean, the evidence is that cronyism in Hong Kong is increasing. They're meeting the, in the middle, aren't they? And the evidence is just before your very eyes, and he should know because he's the economist from the General Chamber of Commerce, which signed up to a statement decrying Occupy Central. The evidence is, is that companies who are involved in commerce are now feeling obliged to get involved in politics. He should know that because he works for an organisation that's just that's done, done that. Just done that. Yeah. So is, is the Hong Kong system becoming more like the mainland system? Whew, I think so. I think so. But the thing was, it was It ain't working the other way around. I mean, that's, that's an argument to be had, what he said to Brian this morning. But the thing is, I'm just thinking, I know it's completely out there, but could it be, in some weird way, that Hong Kong could be the root of the stream that changes China? Well, I know that sounds I, I crazy. Know, I know that's the theory, and, and, and people have been saying this. I don't just mean money-wise, well, I mean well, like, life-wise. I know, I know. I, I honestly don't know that. I, I mean, what I do know is that what's happened in Hong Kong, and yep. this is not, of course, what will be pleasant to the ears of, of, of the Chinese leadership, that the large demonstrations, the, 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 the referendum, the unofficial referendum, I should add, has in fact inspired, for example, people in Macau yep. to hold their referendum. It has forged links with the opposition forces in Taiwan, which, of course, China regards as part of its sovereign territory. And... As far as the dissident movement in China is concerned, the fact that you have such a large opposition movement here in Hong Kong does provide considerable comfort. And the Hong Kong authorities are extremely, extremely worried about this, which is why the Immigration Department has stepped up its controls on letting these sort of people come into um, the SAR. So, you know, it may well do this, but in an entirely unintended way. Just one of those sort of things that novels are... I mean, I don't even think I'm being as scientific as you. The kind of thing that novels are based on. What if they gave it back to the Brits, that kind of yeah, thing? No, yeah, I don't mean yeah, that, by the way. Yeah, yeah, but, I you know, know what, 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 could China go... Could Hong Kong go down in history somehow as being the little, the, the little bit that changed I, Big Brother? I, I personally think it's unlikely. I think that it's too small, too different from the rest of the country. If we went on the air, you'd have used a word at me just then. I might have done. (laughs) (laughs) I might have done. But we're right prim and proper here in this studio. Kosher, even. Yeah, absolutely. Particularly me. Um, But but the fact of the matter is that I think Hong Kong is... You you know, we have to be realistic. Hong Kong is a tiny place with 7 million people. The Chinese mainland consists of 1.3 billion people. Hong Kong has a totally disproportionate influence. It really does. I know punches above its weight and all those things but i don't think it punches that far above its weight the thing is though it's connected to china and i mean 
one person, then another, then a group of people. Are they, pe- are they worried well, let, that people let, are going to know? It, let, let's, put, let, let's put this entirely in, in, in a historical way. Why not? Where was the Chinese nationalist movement, the na- nationalist movement that nurtured the change in in um, the Chinese, it, 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 for the overthrow... Get to it, get to it. Sorry, I'm, <laughs> uh, the old mind isn't working. <laughs> the overthrow of the Qing dynasty, where was that nurtured? It was nurtured by um, Sun Yat-sen living in Hong Kong. But he wasn't daft, was he? He wasn't daft. He did understand that there was more liberty in um, under the reign of the British imperial yoke than there was by uh, crossing the border and going across onto the mainland. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is that nationalist movement was virtually nurtured here. But I don't. The point that I'm trying to make is it wasn't born here. Sun Yat-sen had to be on the mainland before he was making any real difference. Well, you've made a very good point there. And the nationalist movement, you know, didn't emanate really from Hong Kong. But I think there was a seed sown here. That's all I'm saying. Totally. I mean, I love this topic. I wonder what Mm. any of our listeners think. I just wonder, could Hong Kong, in some bizarre way, actually, if there's going to be a massive, and I'm talking massive, paradigm change in China, could Hong Kong in some way be the root of that? You say it was nurtured here, Steve. It's sort of Hong Kong is a, it's like a good office to work in, isn't it, for these people? Yeah, yeah, but they have to get out. uh, Yes, it's actually, that's a pretty good parallel because, you you know, offices are fine to work in, but every now and again, you've got to get out the office to make a real difference. And I think that's what history tells us about the role of Hong Kong. I've got to say good morning to Scott, who says China's probably given up on using Hong Kong as an example for Taiwan, because we haven't heard that for a while, have well, we? Well, that of course is, if I can just interrupt you, that was what One Country, Two Systems was, was meant developed to be, apparently, for. It wasn't, yeah. wasn't for Hong Kong. Well, it's just another line. He said even Taiwan can be purchased directly by slow enough effort. I mean, that big deal recently, what was it again? And all the, the people sunshine went, movement. really went up in arms in Taiwan recently. The Sunshine Movement, yeah. 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 And they yeah. tried that, the Sunshine Policy in Korea years yeah. ago, and when people went crazy. Well, I think, you know, the the, the fact of the matter is that, that, um, I don't know, it sounds like a broken record to keep saying it, but people's yearning for liberty is pretty strong. got a couple of um, bits and pieces of correspondence to get into. Um, let me just follow up from Scott. This is an interesting one. It's a bit historical. He says the CCP only fears one thing, religion. Even the Gomentong won over the Qing because of three consecutive large religious-driven rebellions, the Taiping, Nian and Muslim rebellions, were much more serious. Chiang Kai-shek feared the Communist Party because Mao and crew built a successful cult system. This is well deep, I tell you. <laughs> uh, Mao is still used as God. You see his picture in taxes and construction sites. So the idea that the FLG could infiltrate and take over the party from the inside is the most scary thing of all for them. Well, thanks, Scott. Steve, comments yeah, on a that, postcard. That, that, that's very interesting. We, ha- we have another... Email here from Douglas. That's very interesting. Moving on. Oh, oh sorry. Well, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no I, 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 I mean, I, I, I just, um, I'm, I'm digesting it. Do it, do it. As you do of a, of a Thursday morning. Um, no, we have another um, email here from Douglas, who's a very, very disappointed Democratic Party voter, he says. He's, he's getting fed up. It, it, there's quite a lot here. But basically, he is well fed up with the tactics of the Dems in LegCo. He says that um, they are being led by the bonkers, as he puts it, the bonkers wing of the democratic movement, and that um, particularly um, the the Democrats under Emily Lau, or Emily Loud, as he calls her, um, is moving in a direction 
that he finds very worrying because he says he voted for them because they helped to deliver some limited reforms in the 2010 um, compromise package. But now, you know, um, he says, you know... Um, that brought about a small degree of progress, not this screaming, intransigent, placard-waving bunch of nimrods. Isn't politics all about the possible about deals? Am I missing something, some hidden strategy, some cunning negotiating plan where they insist on civil nomination till the bitter end and then cut a deal? Or am I blinded by reason? I, I don't know. sarcasm there. It, I, Shall we ban it? You're banned. Right. We're not having sarcasm. You're not on, listening uh, to Radio uh, 3 not, not, not of a Thursday morning. Thanks frankly. for writing, though. You bring up some very good points. He's expressed this kind of sentiment before, but something that always comes back to me is what they're fighting or struggling for, are, it's very different to how they behave. Yeah, they behave like nimrods, as he says, mm. but we mustn't lose sight of what there actually is in their hearts. Nobody says they have to be a well-organised row of ducks. Unfortunately, the DAB are. <laughs> well, the DAB are an extremely organised and disciplined party. Uh, also, of course, much better funded than any of the Democratic parties. But, you know, if if you're on the other side of the political fence, it's no good whining about the fact that your your opponents have got more money and are better organised. Because if they are, they are. The only no. response you can do is organise yourselves better. But I, I do take his point, which is it seems to me that the wilder fringes of the Democratic movement seem to be leading even though they represent a minority within the democratic movement. I mean, you know, the tactics of Wang Yuk-man, which I find very, very alarming, are, I can't, he's not even part of the democratic group. He doesn't go to the democratic group caucus anymore. Yet, you know, why don't they say, we'll cut this guy loose? He's a complete, you know... Some great scurrilous rumours going around that he's, he's been planted and yeah, stuff well, like that. Yeah, well, there's this. all sorts of rumours about that. But I think the, the, where I would disagree with Douglas, and, and this is, uh, you, you know, this is a, um, a disagreement that, that doesn't, um, you know, is an impression rather than something based on fact. But my impression is now is that the whole anger level has risen so much more since 2010 and that the push uh, among the Democrats, the people who are behind them, the people who, who, who join these rallies, participated in the referendum, etc., etc., is much stronger now, and the mood for compromise has diminished. That doesn't mean to say that, you know, deals can't be made, but, you know, you have to make a deal with two parties. Do you think, does Douglas think, or does anybody else think, that the the willingness to compromise actually exists on the other side of the fence, in other words, in Beijing? Mm. I mean, if there was a, a mood for compromise, it certainly wasn't reflected in the recent white paper. It certainly hasn't been reflected in recent statements from Chinese officials. And, of course, it hasn't been reflected in, in the sterling performance of our chief executive. So, I don't know. I mean, you know, takes to two to tango. I mean, there's lots of clichés out there that you could use for this. But once again, after the things that have happened, we've had stuff that went down on July the 1st, the sit-in, and what happens? Senior senior government officials do that finger wave again. It really gets people going. But Hong is, Kong people shouldn't. Yeah, but this Hong is Kong what I'm saying. Should. This is what I'm saying, is, is, is that, you know, if you're going to have a compromise, you have to have it between two sides who are even talking to each other. Yeah, well, there is that. There is that. But, you know, I mean... What you, and I'm sorry to say this, but it's true, what you do need always in bringing far apart people together... Karaoke. Well, either karaoke or a charismatic figure, and I don't think Hong Kong quite has that. I mean, you look at... 
the most famous example of course is 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 nelson mandela um making himself available to to be a bridge to the apartheid regime in south africa and explaining to them that the only way they would survive is by destroying their own system i mean you know that was an extraordinary concept but it needed a nelson mandela to pull it off and you look at at examples in um asia I'm not sure that there are that many that you can look at and say, well, here's a here's a good signpost, maybe this charismatic person. What what unfortunately has happened in Asia is that that when regimes go down, they go down with a lot of bloodshed and a lot of chaos. But you know, there have been regimes that have ended here, and you have to point and I know this is unpopular and I know it's boring to keep hearing it, but you have to point to what happened in Taiwan. Yeah. When the Guomindang regime, which after all was a ghastly dictatorship, was actually ended from the inside by the son of Chiang Kai-shek, Zhang Jinkuo, who, who, who just looked around and said, you know what, we can't do this for another 50 years. The only way we can survive is by turning ourselves into a normal political party that competes with other political parties. Mm. Well, Hong Kong doesn't have in its leadership uh, uh, Zhang Jingguo. And in fact, it, it's interesting that he's such a forgotten political figure, although I would put him on a very high plinth somewhere in the historical galaxy. I like your thing about signposts. You're talking about people, right? Mm. People who could have changed who, things. Who, Just who, 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 you know, who've got the vision and got the personality to do it. It doesn't always end well for these guys. I mean, they're, you know, the, the, arguably, the, the real game-changer in China could have, was, depends how you see it, Zhao Ziyang, look what happened to him. And look at Malaysia, Anwar Ibrahim, he keeps yeah. getting banged up for doing unspeakable things, or, apparently. Or, or, you, or you look at India, you know, you look at Gandhi. Indeed. I mean, Gandhi w- ended his life a very disappointed man, because he'd won the struggle to get the British out of India, but he completely <laughs> lost the struggle to stop sectarian strife in the country. And of course, it while he was still alive, the country split up. Pakistan was formed. So, you know, I mean, yeah. this this stuff ain't easy. I, I just just point that out as oh, if yeah, anybody, I'm, I'm as just if anybody to, didn't know. I'm just laughing to yeah. myself right now. I'm thinking of an Afghanic quote. He yeah. went, I don't know, bloody Gandhi, wouldn't he? He's dinner and they gave him India. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, let's move on. What else you got? Well, I mean, um, it's a good day. Let's Let's not think it's all bad. It's a good day. If you're a senior um, Hong Kong person who's done something wrong, because if you're Timothy Tong and you've brought the, inter- uh, I mean, the, this the is Independent incredible. Commission against, um, against Corruption, apparently, that's the ICAC, that's what it's called, and you, you've gone out and spent money lavishly, you, you've neglected the job, you can be more or less whitewashed in a report as Have long as you've got the, the, the pro-establishment um, legislators on your side. If you are running the Mega Events Fund, which has quite clearly, you know, sloshed away millions upon millions of public money on on dragon dances. Pick up a cricket bat and and shown the door. And made false claims about um, the effectiveness of that campaign. Again, you go to LegCo, they make a report, and the person who's running that committee goes, well, you know, it's very difficult for us actually to point the finger. I mean, who knows? Maybe, oh, well, it's all, oh, it's all very complicated act now. Or indeed, if you're Ng Lung Singh, who must be the most incompetent um, chairman of a, of a LegCo committee, and honestly, competition there is hot. 
but he seems to have managed to manage to get himself on top of that pile. He doesn't even know the rules of procedure of LegCo, and when he does know them, he breaks them. So, again, you know, it goes to vote. Have you got confidence in this man? And all the uh, people who haven't been elected by anybody put their hands up and say, oh, yes, we've got great confidence in Mr. Ng. And Mr. Ng himself comes out of this and goes, well, in future I will be... I, I listened to his statement. I couldn't make head nor tail of it. I think he was saying that in future there will be a future, which I agree with. <laughs> so, anyway, good day. If you're any of these people... So, my tip to anybody in government who wants to spend public money without any regard, who wants to abuse their position without any comeback, is make sure you've got the pro-government legislators on your side, because they will issue a report and they'll absolve you. It's, it's a great day for these boys. Every time. I, I said this morning we're going to talk about what's happening in Ledge. No. Every time something like this has been put <coughs> up recently, the sort of thing that, you, you know, your common or garden person would say, yeah, that needs looking at. It gets knocked back. Mr Ung responded by saying that lawmakers had sufficient time to debate the item. Apparently they couldn't even get there to vote in time. And it would ensure the efficiency of the committee. He also said he would not resign. Well, hello, they'll be selling cheeseburgers in McDonald's next. Yeah, hey, in latest news. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm I saying. Know, I Wouldn't know. it be nice if we didn't expect this? See, there's a problem here, Steve, because more and more these things are happening. The boss of the ICAC, former boss, etc., etc. We saw the reports about booze-ups and flights and this, yeah. that and the other. And, and you get a report that sort of says, well, yeah, maybe this wasn't very good. But it was an isolated we... incident. You yeah, bet it yeah. was, uh, except uh, it wasn't. Uh, and, well, I, they didn't quite say that, but what no, they but did say, which was... No, there, no, but, but what was very bad that they did say was, oh, well, well this was all very bad, and... Um, Next. No further action should be taken. What? I think we're getting... The the point is, there was a time when people would have really got up in arms about this. I mean, they probably are now, but we're hearing time and time and time and time again this kind of uh, no contest, no further action needed. Well, as long as you're on on the right side of the political fence, which, of course, in this instance, means the left side of the political fence. But that one was out there, Steve. But, I mean, you know, let's look at LegCo itself. Okay. LegCo has... This is the ultimate irony. The legislature actually has no powers to initiate laws doesn't that's the way the hong kong system works they can only come from the administration right so its actual purpose its only real functioning purpose is to act as a watchdog and when it's called upon to act as a watchdog when it's called upon to examine what have become enormous public scandals surely it's beholden on its members to at least go through the motions of showing they're serious about this. Yes. Instead of going through the motions of finding, oh, okay, it's very bad. How can we find a way of not doing anything? Well, turning up is a good start. Turning up would be good. I know, uh, and this is, again, one of the few things that that, that should gladden the hearts of everybody. All the rotten borough representatives who never used to bother to go to LegCo just didn't bother. They just were hardly there, wouldn't go to committee meetings, have now been told, you have to start attending. So, I mean, it is ruining lunchtimes throughout Hong Kong. Now, I know this is a human rights problem. That's just, I mean, enough is enough. I know, I know. There are people now in LegCo, I don't know if, are we alone? No one's going to hear this, are they? No who have to take one-hour lunch breaks. It's come to that. The three-hour lunch is becoming a thing of the past. What will they think of I know. It's terrible. I'll tell you what caught me this morning. MTR staff start work to rule, and I'm thinking, well, that's good. I might get all the trains on time and stuff like (laughs) this. Oh, you are so unkind. You are so unkind. I'm a great fan of the MTR, and um, I think they should keep digging.
I think so. <laughs> I mean, what, what else is... Let's work with a couple more things we've got to get. Uh, judicial independence, that's back. That won't go away, the white paper thing. That's just festering away there, isn't it? it, it it's festering away. And um, there, was a, <laughs> there was a great thing where Alan Lang yesterday was trying to get Rinsky Yoon. Uh, do you know something? This... I was trying... Can I just say this? Yeah. I mean, a very interesting name, obviously based on the composer Rimsky Korsakov. But Rimsky Korsakov, so. no, but but Rimsky was not his first name. It was a double-barrelled surname, Nikolai Rimsky Korsakov. So I'm thinking, you know what I'm thinking? Yeah. So anyway, yeah. carry on. Little do Just they know. Get that out Little there. do they that know. That wasn't his Christian name. No. Um, Rimsky Korsakov. Yes. That was a double. I think. I think. Yeah. I, mean? I think quite. <laughs> And everybody just calls him that. I know, I know. Uh, well, you've interrupted Sorry, my Steve. fabulous train of thought there. What I was saying was that Alan Lung said to Rimsky Korsakov, or Rimsky <laughs> Yoon, whatever his name is, um, who's the Secretary for Justice, said, look, you made a statement when you were Chairman of the Bar Council Yo. about the authority and the independence of the judiciary. Would you care to repeat it today? Simple enough. Would you care to repeat it today? I mean, you obviously believed it then. Do you still believe it? And he said, uh, just couldn't get him to repeat it. Instead, According to you, they all say that, though. I know. Well, it's... A, I know. I mean, because it's... Act now. Act now. It's written here in my script. <laughs> Let's all join hands. <laughs> join, join hands. So instead instead of saying... And what, why is it so difficult for the Secretary of Justice to say... The important thing in Hong Kong is that members of the judiciary are independent. They're not considered to be part of the administration. Administrators, yeah. They're not, well, administrators, that's the Chinese term for it, but they're not part of the administration. And if they are considered to be anything other than entirely independent, this would be a big setback for the rule of law in Hong Kong. What is so difficult to get him to say that? But he can't. He just cannot say it anymore. Have you listened carefully to a lot of the sound bites? Okay, I can only talk about it in English. They really go nowhere. They use the words. It's not necessarily these people personally, but they, they're pragmatic. Da, 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 da. If you listen carefully, nothing is said because I think there's a fear of going on record of, of saying oh, absolutely, something. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, he must he must rue the day when he could speak in plain English, and you know now he's he speaks in fluent bureaucratese, and and that's great. I mean, you know. If you could learn that, you could you could be a senior official. Let's go to another Phil, email here. I'm thinking of your career here. Oh, I'm already there, mate. Already there. It's tough in the middle. <laughs> um, this is from, I believe it's from Drake. It said, um, I do not think that the pandems are non-negotiable, as the second question in the unofficial referendum puts the bottom line is international standards. Good point. If the government came up with a proposal that doesn't include civil nomination but meeting, quote, international standards, the people could still decide whether to take it in the second unofficial referendum. Let's not forget that there were 15 proposals to the OCLP movement deemed meeting uh, that deemed the meeting international standards well what what he's talking about and i rather agree with him is that even if we're stuck with the nominating committee it, it doesn't need to be a screening out committee i mean clearly this is what beijing intends and clearly this is the plan but if there is wriggle room here it does exist in making the nominating committee at least subject to some the nominating committee not not the nomination itself yeah subject to some form of more democratic election there's nothing in the basic law that stop that and all these people who wave around the basic law, they should try and read it because they keep putting in things into the basic law that 
simply aren't there. I've learned so much more about the basic law from listening to news and getting quotes and stuff. Now, did somebody, I think, did somebody describe it as they're talking about this is illegal in the, or, you know, it's, it's, I think Martin Lee said it's not that it's illegal or legal, it's, it's just, just not, not there. stated. It's not stated. And also, I mean, I'm sorry to sort of do kiddie, kiddie talk here, but I mean, do remember that the basic law is a constitutional document. Which, which is very different from a piece of legislation. A piece of legislation typically spells everything out in enormous detail so that when, it, when there's a breach of that law, it can come to court and the judges have got something to look at. A constitutional document is basically a set of principles. Yeah. Now, the basic law as a constitutional document, and maybe we'll hear tomorrow that it isn't a constitutional document anymore, but at least for today it's still a constitutional document, actually states in its preamble a commitment to the introduction of democracy and universal suffrage in Hong Kong. It's a statement of principles. So that when you say that you're breaching the basic law by trying to achieve democracy and universal suffrage, I'm... Yeah. I'm getting a bit confused. And, of course, Hong Kong's former governor, Chris Patton, when asked, was quoted as saying, Mmm, cake. <laughs> <laughs> you like mean, he gives you, a hoot. You mean the last colonial oppressor? The last colonial oppressor. Yes, yes, thank you. Steve, it's been a pressure as always. Thanks very much. Let's do it again next week. <laughs> <laughs>